This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much. Also joining us this morning... Former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Lou, good morning. How are you, sir? Morning there, Wally. Naz, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing good. Thanks so much. A uh, lot, lot, lot coming up today. We're just to let our listeners know, we'll be talking to the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Joe Bowen will catch up on uh, catch up on Leaf stuff and uh, probably get a get to throw in a few Notre Dame Alabama shots. And uh, the Packers are. Uh, are doing well as well. And uh, as everybody knows, Joe Bowen is a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. So always uh, have fun with that. Middle of the hour, we're going to turn a little bit more serious. We're talking to Rick Westhead. Rick Rick Westhead is certainly an accomplished accomplished, uh, author, correspondent with TSN, W5, CTV, National News, uh, also a contributor to the New York Times. Uh, He's got a new book out released October 13th, the story of Joe Murphy. Um, you talk about triumph and tragedy. Joe Murphy, former number one draft pick of the Detroit Red Wings in 1986, and the subtitle to the book, How Joe Murphy Went from Winning a Championship to Living Homeless in the Bush. Um, looking forward to talking to Rick Westhead about, uh, about that story later on in the hour. Gentlemen, uh, I guess we should probably wrap up the World Series uh, before we get into what's going on. Um, um, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe uh, the decisions that are made. I guess today they, the uh, managers type the information uh, into the computer and it spits out what they were supposed to do. And, of course, the Tampa manager, Cash, decided he was going to take his pitcher, uh, Snell, out of the game, uh, who was who was on a roll last Sunday. And then, uh, you know, Tampa's leading at the time, and then the game changes. Uh, I was perplexed at the time. I get the part about an- analytics has taken over sports uh, and, and, and managerial decision-making. I got to be quite frank with you. I, I just, you know what? I know what the computers spit out. I know what the statistics say. But my eyes and my gut were telling me, you got to keep that pitcher in. You don't take the ball away from him. And, of course, the rest is history. Naz, uh, I'll turn it over to you first. Uh, any any final parting thoughts on, on the World Series? The Dodgers, uh, not an undeserved champion. They They were... They they were a good baseball team, the best base team in baseball the entire year. So n- I don't want to take anything away from them. Uh, deserved champions, but 
certainly controversial last game to the World Series, Ness. Yeah, they were they were the best team all year. Tampa Bay wasn't far behind, but Snell only threw seventy three pitches, Wally. Seventy three pitches. He had at least two to three innings left in him and he was pitching great. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh Lou, your uh your parting jabs? I just think it was the biggest boneheaded play that I've ever seen as a professional manager in such a crucial time. It's more or less it was uh, knowing that they had a right-handed batter coming up next, and then right after that he could have walked him and and faced uh, uh, a left-handed bat uh, with 73 pitches as much as he was dominating uh, uh, the Dodgers uh, at that point. Uh, Again, it's uh, you know he'll probably live that for the rest of his life. And how many times are you going to get a chance to for a kick at the can? Uh, like they did, but then I look back and I say, okay, well, no, I don't think they even should have been a game six uh, because of the uh, misplays that the that the Dodgers had in the in the bottom of the ninth. And then you look at what happens to Justin Turner uh, being diagnosed with uh, with a positive test uh, in the seventh inning of of a game six. Where would game seven have been? Uh. uh Finishing off on the, on, on, on the Tampa manager, you know, I, I get it. These guys, they, they subscribe and baseball, baseball, perhaps more so than any other sport is a game of, um, probabilities, right? You know, you, you always like, that's why you get pinch hitters where you bring in the left-handed hitter against the, uh, you know, against the right-handed pitcher. And there's always matchups and they've got every statistic you can possibly imagine, about how a specific hitter has done against a specific pitcher in a specific situation, you know, baseball's baseball's uh, computer geeks, uh, you know, it's nirvana for for lack of a better term. Uh, but at some point in time, you know, and, and and I read I read I read the the criticisms afterwards, and 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 the computer algorithms suggested that when you go through when the starter goes through the the the, the the lineup for the third time, uh, the bringing in this specific reliever, the the numbers favor the reliever over the starter. Generally, they get beat up on the third time through. But you know what? A manager's paid a lot of money to make judgment, and and you know he hasn't turned over his judgment to a computer. Um, and if his eyes didn't see what was going on in that game, uh, the rest of us certainly saw something he didn't see. Uh, forget it. You know, I mean, it was it was obvious the the Tampa Bay pitcher was on his game. Only as Naz you pointed out, only seventy three pitches. He was he was he wasn't he wasn't getting tired. You know, he had I think he had nine strikeouts by that point. He had the game well in hand. And you know, if you're a manager, man, you got to make a judgment and that you know you know turn your computer off. Have a look at what's going on out in the field. Um, put the ball. I you know put the ball back in his hand. I, I appreciate the fact that the uh, computer spit out a different decision, but I think the majority of baseball fans tuning in watching that game, their eyes were showing something diff- completely different. Why you pull a starter in that situation is beyond me, but you know, he gets paid a lot more money than we do making those decisions. So, you know what, he rolled the dice and uh, you know what, if, 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 the, if, the, if, you know, if the Tampa Bay, uh, reliever had to shut them down he'd be looking like a genius wouldn't he but it didn't happen uh, on the other issue uh Naz, I'll, I'll get you involved justin turner uh he was uh apparently uh 
they found out at the top of the during the game that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and Major League Baseball sent the call down and pulled them from the game in the eighth inning appropriately. Uh, but then afterwards, he decided he was going to go down and have a celebration with his teammates. I guess a natural reaction. Uh, you know, you win the World Series, you want to celebrate, but man, he's down there without a mask. You've just been tested for COVID-19. You've just exposed a lot of people uh, through your uh, negligence through your bad judgment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Major League Baseball, I'm not sure if they've made a decision what to do with that, but I would presume that there's some sanctions that should be coming down. Naz, and then you, Luke. I think Major League Baseball is going to let it try to blow away by itself, but I don't know if that's going to happen. He shouldn't have done it. I can see why he did it, but he shouldn't have done it, for sure. Um, but he, he'll get suspended, I think. Well, there, there has to be there has to be some sanction. I mean, I, I know I get it's the natural reaction. You're exuberant. You've worked your entire life to get to that situation. You know, you win in the World Series, the LA Dodgers. It's it's you know, you're you're a six year old. You've dreamt about it. Um, yeah, I I, I I sort of understand where your emotion gets the better of your judgment. I don't know who else. Uh, you know, was aware. I, I got to presume the manager was aware. I don't know if his teammates were aware, but when they pulled him out of the game, I don't know what questions are asked. But you know, if I'm a manager, if I'm somebody working for Major League Baseball and knowing what's going on, and I'm seeing him down on the field, I think we're going to send somebody to collect them and pull them off. So, it, you know, perhaps bad judgments went around. The whole and hopefully what comes out of this is that he didn't he doesn't pass it on to any uh, anybody else. Uh, I haven't heard of anything like that. I know some people are probably in isolation because of because of his actions, but uh, regrettable. And there has to be some sanction of some kind. Lou, very quickly, and then we go to break, and then we come back with Joe Bowen. I uh, you know what I guess you know you, you couldn't put anybody any better. Uh, he wanted to be part of the celebration. Uh, the thing that I didn't really like was uh, he took his mask off and started uh, taking photo ops with his girlfriend there uh, in the middle of everybody. And then also the team picture, he actually took a complete mask off. If I was a teammate and I would exposed to that kind of stuff, you kind of worry about it. But at the end of the day, uh, how many times are you going to get a chance to? To celebrate with your teammates like that, uh, he was a little selfish, but I can understand on why he did it. Yeah, I, I guess I understand it. I don't justify it. I mean, uh, judgment has to take, you know, public health and and judgment has to take um, precedence over your emotions. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I sort of get it. At some point in time, reason should have come to him, uh, or somebody else should have stepped in. And, and pulled him off the field, quite frankly. Somebody, or if he, if he wasn't able to exercise his judgment, you know, somebody else should have. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. We've got, uh, we've got the part owner, the Green Bay Packers, and the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, lined up. So uh, let's go to break, and we'll be right back with Joe Bowen. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the Family Game Night Special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free headbands board game. All for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. 
Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM 740, also on Toronto FM 96.7 www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour this morning, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you today? I'm doing, doing great. Great. Thanks, uh, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got uh, we've got a few things to catch up on. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the Leafs. Uh, why don't we go there first? Joe Thornton, T.J. Brody, Wayne Simmons, Joey Anderson, Jimmy Vezzi, Zach Bogosian. Uh, your impressions of Kyle Dubas's work so far this offseason, Joe? Well, I think under the uh, circumstances, um, I think after being on the job for a while and then seeing uh, what transpired in the playoff that they had, uh, as abbreviated as it was and everything else, um, that uh, reality, I think, has has struck in. Uh, I think a lot of people um, who have been uh, diagnosed as dinosaurs uh, suggested that the Maple Leafs needed to have more uh, physicality and more grit in their lineup to augment what has been um, arranged through the draft and various other things with some very talented offensive players um, that, that were taken high in drafts and have, have obviously shown that they can play that way in the National Hockey League. But when you don't have any pushback, um, the guys who are sitting there on the bench are going, now what? And uh, the only player that they had really that was a pushback player, they traded away in Nazem Kadri. And uh, I think that uh, Kyle realizes as you watch teams go through this tournament, uh, how physical it gets, that if you don't have someone, you know, 
going eye for an eye, and I don't mean fighting. I mean by, uh, you know, wearing out the defense corps on the other teams as opposed to just sitting there watching your guys get pasted all the time. Uh, you're not going to win a series, and you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. So I think this is a step in the right direction. I don't know as it's uh, completed yet, but uh, it's certainly in the right direction. Yes. Joe, is there another shooter drop here and get them to improve their defense? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Is there another shooter drop here to improve their defense? I don't know if it's... Uh, I think there might be another shoe to drop. Um, I, I would probably expect it to come uh, in the season, maybe, and maybe at the trade deadline or something. Um, but I, I think I think that they could certainly make a big splash. And it, if, there, if there is another shoe to drop, I, I, I think it could be a big one. But uh, I think the other teams are going to have to find out what they have first and what and what they can improve with and what the Leafs might be able to uh, uh, make attractive in a deal. Lou? Morning, Joe. Morning, Louie. Um, do you think Dubas and, and Chief and in Shanahan probably talked it over and, and figured that uh, as good as his young core is, uh, they weren't getting the proper leadership from uh, Austin Matthews, a Nylander, or even a Mitch Marner, uh, even to a certain extent, even a John Tavares that they had to bring in? Uh, not only the physicality in, uh, in Simmons, but also leadership with the uh, Goshen just coming off the Stanley Cup and Joe Thornton, uh, being the class act and the future Hall of Famer, uh, that he is or is going to be. Well, I mean, you can't have too much of that. And I don't think that this is a slight on what was there. I think you've got to add Jake Muzzin with the Stanley Cup ring and, and that in that mix as well. Uh, but you can't have too much of that. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I think the, the Joey Thornton move is, is obviously uh, in that department. They're not, they didn't go out and get him to be the number one setter or even the number two setter on this team. I'm, I'm pretty sure he can be a very uh, creative part of the, uh, a power play unit, whether it's the first one or the second one. Um, but I, I, I don't think you can have too much of that. Um, and certainly... Uh, when your uh, your leadership group and 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 the leadership group you can you can be the the, the, the guy who's got all the, the the leadership qualities of everybody but if you ain't making the big dough in the room uh, you, they're still looking at the big dough in the room to to make sure that they're the ones who are leading this team who are carrying this team but but having another voice that has had that much experience, now remember, Joey Thornton's coming, still looking for a Stanley Cup. So it's not like they're bringing in somebody who's won five or six cups or something of this nature. But but Joe Thornton has a great aura about him, no matter where he is, and certainly in the Leaf room, he will be uh, a key component of the leadership group. Um, but you know, you add Morgan Riley to that, and you add Tavares. Um, the young kids are coming along, but they have to learn. I mean, how how important was Patrick Marlowe? Uh, in the early years with those uh, those players that you mentioned. So uh, I think that that's part and parcel of it, uh, but he will just be another piece to a group that has to learn as it goes along. We're talking to Joe, uh, Joe Bowen. Joe, I always, have, I always love having you on because you give me backup with these two Alabama guys that I got to go toe-to-toe with almost every Sunday. 
Uh, and you're one of the great Notre Dame uh, fans in the world. Uh, I'm not sure you can make your annual sojourn down the South. I wish. Here. You wish. But uh, we're watching them on TV. And uh, they had a great game against Pitt last uh, last Saturday. They, uh, they took on Georgia Tech uh, yesterday. I, I wouldn't say it was their greatest performance, but they did what they had to do. Uh, your impressions of this year's version of the uh, of the Fighting Irish, Joe? Well, I've been impressed with them. I mean, I, I, boy, trying to play through this COVID thing is, um, I don't know how they're doing it, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're seeing Lawrence going to be missing the Clemson game next week because of uh, getting it. Uh, you wonder how the rest of the Clemson team hasn't managed to succumb to it or however um, you see outbreaks in various areas. I mean, thank God it seems that this virus now, at least, if it uh, if it, it does infect the team, uh, it's it's not lethal. It's it's uh, you know a, a very serious um, uh, illness for some young people, but they get through it, and uh, that in itself is uh, uh, great news for people like me. But. Having said that, um, I think Brian Kelly has a pretty good team. I think they have uh, great leadership at quarterback, uh, and 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 I think and, and experience, obvious, obviously, uh, but they have great speed. And once again, uh, OU is uh, playing very, very well. Their offensive line is uh, maybe the best in the country. So it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting game. And God Almighty, I wish we could go down to watch the play Clemson <laughs> at Notre Dame Stadium next week. That would be incredible, Naz. Uh, your biggest turn. game, biggest game of the year, Joe. Next, next Saturday. Well, well, yeah, and 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 likely the way the ACC is going, there's a very good chance they'll have to play again. There'll be a rematch. Um, so yeah. I, I can I can see where uh, Clemson is thinking. Well, there's no really big reason to rush back the quarterback just for this one because they're in pretty good position to be the other team uh, in the uh, ACC final. So it's the first time that Notre Dame is going to be playing in a, in a conference championship game, and that'll be, you know, uh, interesting as well. I, it'll be interesting to see whether Notre Dame thinks this is a great idea or do we go back to the playing the independent schedule and let the cards fall where they may because that extra game, the championship game of a conference, is, is a, a big deal, and it's a, 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 a great stepping stone to go to the national championship. Uh, Lou, well, I think there's there, there's probably five schools right now that are uh, uh, way above everybody else, and I would include uh, Notre Dame, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, and uh, and Ohio State in that group. Uh, and it's going to be a great test on, on for Notre Dame's uh, uh, the, the whole the whole aura about going in uh, playing Clemson. Uh, you saw what Ohio State just did yesterday to. Uh, the Penn State and obviously Alabama is going to go through LSU and Auburn in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I guess their goal is that's probably going to be one of the biggest games uh, for the school's history. Yeah, it is. I think Louis and, and it'll it'll be you know and it's what a shame that they're. I mean, and you see some schools they look like the building's half full, right? Yeah. And then you saw Penn State and there were like fifteen people there. <laughs> and 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 the the Big Ten has uh, their policy is 21 days if you have infected or anything. So there's no cut clear cut rules how to handle things here. Notre Dame has kept the the attendance down to their student body and uh, parents and faculty. And so I think they probably have 
well, the student body is about 10,000, uh, unlike some of the other schools. So, I mean, there's not an awful lot of people at Notre Dame Stadium, but um, it, it is kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, as far as us concerned, sitting in my fat ass on a couch watching TV, <laughs> thank God there's something to watch. <laughs> uh, Joe, before we leave college football and we and we talk about your other, uh, your other great love, uh, the team you own, the Green Bay Packers, uh, I, I, I want to take the opportunity of uh, at least uh, last last uh, last Notre Dame uh, comment. We got to take advantage, Joe. It looks uh-huh. like the uh, NFL Rookie of the Year. They're talking about Chase Claypool, and we uh, we get we get double uh, double uh, 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 comment on him uh, twice uh, that we're proud of him. One one he's a Notre Dame alumnus. Number two he's a Canadian. Yeah, so, he's, uh, and he's we, a great. We, kid. we certainly got to tout that, Joe. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, he's a great kid. I've had the pleasure of chatting with him. Um, it's um, he and and he's a freak. I mean, he's so big and so tall, and yet he runs like a wide receiver. I mean, he really should be. You know, he's he's more tight end build, but when you can run as well as he does and move as well as he does, um, that's a that's a awful tough cover job for a, a, a you know a regular sized cornerback and claypool is uh, very quickly becoming a favorite of uh, of uh, his quarterback so uh, it's exciting to watch him play and uh, we are my the ownership group here which of course the bowen boys uh, are the majority <laughs> owners of the green bay packers uh, we are adamant that we want to make a deal, and I would love to see them bring J.J. Watt back to Wisconsin and bring along another Notre Dame receiver and Will Fuller, and uh, let's see if we can't take a real good run at the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. Uh, before I send it back to Naz, I'm going to move us over to, uh, of course, your other your love, the Green Bay Packers. You, of course, as you mentioned, uh, you own the team. Um, I don't know what percentage of the team you own, but we will we say you – that's all you have to know. You own the team. It, it, we own. Uh, we own. It, it's just like being in Slapshot. We owns the team. <laughs> okay, so Joe, bring us up to date. The Packers are off to a pretty good start. They're five and one. They got the Vikings coming up today. Uh, things are looking good in Packerland. The Bears uh, look like they got a might be a little bit of trouble for the Packers in that division. Bring us up no. to speed on your your impressions of the Packers so far. Well, I, I think we 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 didn't play well in in uh, down in Florida with the Buccaneers. Although for the first quarter and the first drive, we looked like we were dominating the game, and then all of a sudden it turned turned on a dime and and everything fell apart. But I've I've been very impressed with Matt Lafleur. Um, he uh, has obviously won the favor of his quarterback who. Uh, uh, sings his praises, and Rodgers is having an outstanding year. Uh, their running back, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, rather, has been outstanding. Uh, we probably could use a little help at the wide receiver position, which is why I hope they make a deal and bring Will Fuller in from uh, the Texans. But we'll wait and see how that goes. I have obviously sent in my request to the general manager as the owner. I'm not sure it's carrying as much weight as I would like, but we're trying anyway. Um, so uh, we've been really, really blessed this year, I think. You know, both the, uh, at least if we can't go and we can't enjoy it as much as we'd like, at least on uh, 
on every Sunday and on Saturday, at least we're um, we're being entertained with our two football teams playing as well as they are. Uh, Nez, I'll turn it over to you. Joe, Julio Jones is up for trade with the Falcons. <laughs> How would he look in Green Bay? I'm sure he'd look great, but I'm not sure what, you know, like the Packers and, and, and they have historically have not made trades. Uh, and, and historically have not been big in the free agent market. I mean, uh, getting, uh, the big fellow from Philadelphia years ago was, was, was huge. And they haven't really done that over the years. And so, uh, it would be interesting that they, they hoard their draft picks like, uh, no business. And it would be interesting because that is what they'd have to give up. They'd have to give up some pretty good draft picks in order to do that. Other teams do that because they leave you in a hole. So, the one thing that they have done is they've drafted extraordinarily well. And even at the wide receiver position, guys come out of nowhere and become wonderful wide receivers. Now, the fact that you've got Rodgers putting it on a dime for them is uh, obviously helping considerably. But it would be nice when you have a chance to maybe go the distance to, uh, to dip in there once in a while just to get a, a proven talent that would be able to uh, augment and help Rodgers. So... I think if they do make a deal before next Tuesday, it will be uh, to augment some uh, receiver core somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, uh, Lou, unfortunately, I've got a, I've got a uh, one last thing with uh, with Joe, and uh, Lou will get you back uh, right after the break. Joe, uh, I know you spent. Uh, we'd, we've got to go to break in just a couple of minutes left. I know it'd be, you spent a lot of time uh, in hockey in uh, Northern Ontario in Sudbury and. Uh, this week we lost a legend uh, of hockey in northern Ontario, a gentleman that Naz and I crossed paths with in the mid-70s uh, when a good friend of ours was the captain of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. We lost Angelo Bumbaco, a hockey legend, Mr. Hockey in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario. Uh, I know, Joe, you... Uh, have always been uh, connected to hockey in Northern Ontario. Uh, your, your passing thoughts on Angelo. Well, I first met Angelo Bambaco. Well, actually, you know what to think of it. I probably, I did not know Angelo Bambaco the first time I met him. Uh, I would have been playing for the um, uh, Copper Club Redmond, and we went up there to play the Sioux uh, in uh, midget championships and, and Angelo then was part and parcel of the, the Sioux teams that we played, the Thunderbirds and whatnot. And so, uh, but where I got to know Angelo was when I came back from university and got my first play-by-play job, which was with the Sudbury Wolves. And of course, the Sioux Greyhounds had come into the league to allow the Leafs or the Wolves to have a, a neighbor, at least to play and a rivalry to uh, continue, because obviously the Sioux-Sudbury rivalry was etched back into the 20s. And um, Angelo Bombaco was the, the head of the Greyhounds, and Bud Burke was the head of the Sudbury Wolves. And the two of them tried to outdo each other in their impersonations of one Harold Ballard. Uh, <laughs> and to the delight of the fandom uh, in both centers. And there was always a, you know, if we lose to you guys, I'll push you around the rink in a wheelbarrow kind of uh, uh, goings on. So... Angelo was, um, and, and they, you know, one of the great things Angelo was, was he was a great salesman. And in order to get players to come to Sudbury and the Sioux from down in southern Ontario was a difficult thing. And it still is. And, and for the life of me, I don't know why. 
because it's a great place to play, great communities, great people, uh, and great facilities, and they, they go out of their way to uh, make players uh, welcome and become big parts of the community. But, but Angelo had to be a salesman. And he had, and he did a great job. And he brought a lot of great people like Gretzky and Hartsburg and others to come to Sault Ste. Marie. And uh, they had some pretty successful teams. Um, and, uh, but he had been a mainstay. And the last time I saw Angelo was, um, uh, he was down in Tampa and he was doing some bird dogging for the Tampa Bay Rays and whatnot. And, and still was a part of the hockey community right through to the end. And, uh, uh, he'll be missed. Um, he was a fixture in the Sioux, uh, stomping around with that cigarette in his mouth, going crazy. So um, we'll miss him miss him terribly. Joe, our, our time has run out. Uh, we thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking Leafs, Notre Dame, and uh, and Green Bay Packers with you. We're all caught up to date. And once uh-huh. again, thank, thank for the backup with these Alabama No guys. problem. Joe, thanks so much. Uh, keep well. All right, guys. Joe Bowen. Got to go to break. We'll be right back with Rick Westhead. The book is Finding Murph, the story of Joe Murphy. Fascinating. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the family game night special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free Headbands board game, all for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us this morning, former Washington Capitol, Leapin Lou Franceschetti. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Rick Westhead. Rick Westhead is the author of 
A new book that's out called Finding Murphy is also correspondent with TSN, W5, CTV National News, contributor to the New York Times. But today we want to talk about the book, Finding mm. Murph. Good morning, Rick. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning. Appreciate the chance on a pretty wet Sunday morning in Toronto <laughs> to uh, to talk about a subject that I think is really important. Thank you. It is it is incredibly important, uh, Rick. Naz and I both got the opportunity to uh, sit in on a, uh, a virtual chat that our uh, good friend Paul Patskow has all from time to time. And the focus of it this week was the Joe Murphy story. And the book was released October thirteenth. The subtitle of the book is "How Joe Murphy Went from Winning a Championship to Living Homeless in the Bush." Um. I usually at this point would get into further details about what the book's about, but I think it's important that that come from you. It's your book. It's your words. Uh, explain to our listeners. Obviously, the book's about Joe Murphy, but tell us the Joe Murphy story in your words. Well, it's actually about more than Joe Murphy. This, this first of all, is the biography of a of a former NHL player who at one point was on top of the hockey world. This was a guy who came up as the top prospect in the game. Uh, he won a national championship when he played at Michigan State University. And on the heels of that, he was the top pick overall in the 1986 amateur, the, the entry draft when the Detroit Red Wings chose him. He went on to have a successful NHL career, uh, you know, from 1986 until 2001. He won a Stanley Cup with the Edmonton Oilers. He made tens of millions of dollars. And then his life took a turn, and he fell completely off the map. And uh, and he also suffered a string of brain injuries through his NHL career, which he says that he just played through as so many players did then and truthfully still continue to do today. And so the point of the book was trying to document the different parts of Joe's life. Um, obviously, this is complicated. Uh, everyone evolves and changes through the course of the life. And, and I, I did not want to just portray him as somebody, as a tragic character. He was also, in his younger years, full of life and a little bit of an eccentric uh, in, in the, the hockey world, which can be a monoculture. And I also wanted just to also help people understand a little bit more about the culture of the National Hockey League. And from my research, again, this is fact-based journalism. This is not hot takes or opinions. Look at the many occasions over the last decades when this league has had the opportunity to do more, both to understand the health of its active and retired players, both physical and mental health, but also to do something about it. And the many times that the league has chosen not to do that. Ness? Rick, uh, it says that Joe made over $15 million in his NHL career and left with nothing. How did it start, and when did it start? Uh, I don't think that that's the most important thing to focus on. I mean, when he was playing in the NHL, he made a lot of money. As most players will tell you, if they make a lot of money, they pay a lot of taxes as well. And and Joe got into gambling when he was in the NHL, particularly when he was playing with Chicago. Uh, Bernie Nichols, his teammate in three NHL markets, uh, talked to me at length about the two of them finding bookies and you know, betting on everything from college basketball to the NFL. Um, you know, one scene I remember when, when they were, I remember hearing from Bernie that when they were playing with, for Chicago together and it was sort of an open secret among the team that they were betting, uh, and betting pretty large sums. And 
in the United Center, or sorry, in the Chicago Stadium, the the score came on uh, the the overhead uh, screen of a college football game. I guess that Joe had bet big on, and it was a pause in the the action, and every you know there was no reason to be excited. And all of a sudden, Joe jumped up on the bench, you know, hollering. He was so happy because of that college uh, score. And no one else knew why, but of course Bernie knew and, and many of their teammates knew. So gambling was a big problem. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know all the other places that Joe put his money. His team, his friends talk about how he would buy properties and buy cars and buy furniture and then change his mind completely and, and sell the things, you know, a week after he'd bought them, you know, losing large sums of money at a time there too. So, you know, increasingly as he aged, he's he's shown more and more erratic behavior, and that's probably why he's lost most of his money, all of his money. Lou, hey Rick, how are you? Good morning. Hey Lou. Uh, yeah, no, it was really intriguing on watching your article there at TSN, and also reading the, the article in the newspaper uh, re- regarding Joe Murphy and me being an uh, NHL alumni or old age player here. It, it really hit me uh, it hit me hard. I tried putting out a call to, to Glenn Healy and the NHL alumni to find out what's going on and if Joel was really in that bad of shape. And uh, and I'm shocked to hear from you that the NHL hasn't stepped up and, and tried to help him in, in any way possible. But I also did hear that the, from from Glenn is they have tried to reach out to Joel and, and help him when he was up there, and he didn't want any help at all. Uh, so for me, I just wonder, like, where is Joe now? Uh, how is his situation? Uh, and, uh, why hasn't the NHL gone to all extremes, uh, to help him, uh, get over this? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Lou. Thanks. Um, and I, I've not gotten to know Glenn Healy quite well as, uh, as well over the last years. And, and it's true that the NHL Alumni Association paid for a motel room for him to try to get him out of the bush and into a warm bed, um, that they've offered to help pay for his rehab. Um, however, the way Joe tells his story, when he and retired from the NHL, uh, he one thing that his father said to him, is uh, his father Pat said, listen, just do one, I've never asked you for anything, do this one thing for me, please call, you need help. So Joe called the substance abuse program, and he says that uh, when the phone was answered, he explained who he was and the resp- and that he needed help. And the response was, yeah, you don't play in the league anymore. I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you. And the phone was hung up on him. So I, I think both things can be true. You know, right in the, in the last couple of years, the NHL Alumni Association has tried to make a difference. But that doesn't mean that that offer of help has always been there. And just to kind of piggyback on that, I, I remember doing a, a podcast on a former NHL player named Steve Durbano a couple of years ago for TSN. Yeah, I know Steve very and well. in the course of the reporting for that, I wound up talking to Steve Shutt, the former Montreal Canadian great. And we talked about how many guys are suffering after they leave the NHL, most often in silence. People don't want to talk about this publicly. It's an uncomfortable conversation. And Steve shared with me that he has a friend who played in the NHL who wound up in trouble, and he needed to go to rehab. And so the NHL agreed to pay for this to happen, and he went, but he didn't finish. He left. And a year or so later, he asked the league, you know, hey, I'm, I need to go back. I want to try this again. And the answer was no. You had your shot. You know, we spent the money on you. You're not getting another opportunity. And Steve Shutt told me that he got involved and called the league 
and basically said, you're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. And if you don't, I'm going to go public with it. And so the player was admitted into a rehab program again. So there are good people on the NHL, make no mistake, and a lot of good people. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be holding the league accountable. This is a $5 billion industry in good times. It's a league that whose commissioner, Gary Bettman, describes the NHL as a family. And so if you're going to walk the walk, you know, talk the talk, excuse me, you've got to walk the walk. And, uh, and it's our job, my job as a, as a journalist, to give a voice and to provide a platform to the people who feel like they've been forgotten and abandoned and, and ask the question, how much better can the NHL do for these players than it's doing up to this point? Uh, we're talking to uh, Rick Westhead. Rick, uh, you know, you brought us to a topic that we've talked about quite often on the show. Uh, we got we got uh, fairly involved when the uh, in the concussion litigation. We had the lead attorney uh, for the players, uh, Stephen Grigel, on the show uh, numerous amount of times as we went through that litigation. Uh, and uh, I've also got the opportunity to actually look at the settlement documents uh, uh, for that. And you know the the attorneys for the for the retired players were were very very critical of Gary Bettman and 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 his team and 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 the term they used they used every legal maneuver available and they called it a scorched earth policy it's on the record that's what the NHL did in their litigation in the concussion litigation or the brain injury litigation so you know I, I know that. That's an area that you've always been really concerned about. Uh, talking about Joe and, and the other players, Joe Murphy really was a different person after he got uh, various hits to the head. The, the, I think the biggest one was Sean Burr. And your sense of how that impacted uh, his, obviously, his career, his personality, was that, in fact, the, the beginning of the downward spiral? Well, Joe says it was. And, you know, I've reviewed his medical. If you read this book, you'll see we have copies of his medical reports where doctors who have examined him say that there is a link there between the repeated brain trauma that he suffered playing in the NHL and the neurolog neurological damage that he has today. So I'm not a doctor. I'm just a journalist. But but doctors have made that conclusive link. You know, this is not this this is not overly difficult for the NHL to do better on guys. I mean, we're not asking them to take body checking out of hockey to change the game fundamentally. Um, Ken Dryden, you know, has called for the NHL to penalize all hits to the head. And what's the NHL's response to that call to action? Bill Daly, when he testified in that concussion lawsuit that you're talking about, talked about how Ken Dryden might have some good ideas but he's got a pretty big opinion of himself, and he likes to grandstand. <laughs> Ken Dryden's a Hall of Fame goalie who's written a book on Steve Montador's life and death. You would think that that might deserve some respect and someone actually paying attention to what he says. In 2017, Eric Lindros and Dr. David Mulder, who's the chief doctor for the Montreal Canadiens, who's worked in the game for more than 50 years, both went to the All-Star Game in Los Angeles. And they asked the NHL at that time to make a change, to fund a million dollars per team to brain injury research so that we can have a better understanding 
for how repeated concussions affect NHL players and their families. That's been, it's been three years, and Lindros and Dr. Mulder still have not received the courtesy of a response from the NHL. So, again, this is not my job to take hot takes, to make hot takes. This is a fact. So, Lou, as a former player, what do you think about that? Are you okay with them not getting an answer, even a response for three years? You know what, Rick? If I, if I could go back, uh, it's just unbelievable what the National Hockey League has done in that sense of it. Because I know when I played, there were so many players that were really playing on the edge, knowing that if they didn't play hurt, if they didn't play through a concussion, they'd be down in the minors and they wouldn't be seen again. Uh, and I'm shocked that the National Hockey League uh, did what they did and try to cut as many corners or try to find as many loopholes for the amount of money that us old players got in that uh, concussion uh, suit compared to what the NFL did and, and their players. It, it, I really, it, it's a disgrace uh, on how they try to save money as big as they've been or they've, all the money that they've made for the National Hockey. They can't look at the older players because the older players is what this league is all about. And it's even the players of this era, the, the players of this era got no clue who their predecessors were. Who, who set the path for all the money that they're making. And, and it really upsets me to, uh, to all time that, that this has actually gone through with the National Hockey League. Lou, to yeah. what extent do the, do the players um, are careful that they don't want to be critical of the NHL? Some of them, I, I mean, I presume a lot of the retired players, they are still, they're still have uh, communications with their teams. They do events for their teams. They may be on the payroll of the teams. You literally have, is, to what extent is the situation where a lot of the former players do not want to speak up? And that's such an important part of this. You, 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 you hit it on the head, honestly. I, I think that you can split former players into two categories. The guys who either work for teams and the league or the guys who want to. And so there is this self-censorship. They don't want to criticize the NHL. It's become hockey's, and, and understand, like, hockey for players that I've talked to is such a part of their identity. It's all they've ever done. Since they were 13 or 14, they've been single, had this single-minded goal of getting to the NHL and staying there. And so the idea that they'd come out and be critical of that, that, that league that gave them their employment for so many years and helped them fulfill their dreams, that's a hard thing to come around on. It really is, and I think that the NHL plays on that. They know this. They, this is this. The people who run this league are very smart. You know, they they understand the 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 what they would open themselves up to by acknowledging this, and and also the the, the media plays a role here. How many reporters who cover the NHL just like going to the rink, like chumming around with NHL players, um, and don't want to do the job of what a journalist is? which is to hold the NHL accountable. They don't want to risk losing access to the NHL because they they love getting those tidbits of information to be able to put on Twitter or on TV or in a newspaper or a website. And all, but ultimately, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to be somebody who is covering games and is fulfilled doing that? Or are you going to make a difference and try to hold the NHL accountable? Uh, we're talking to Rick Westhead. The book is Finding Murph. It's about the, the Joe Murphy story, but it, as Rick says, it's much more than the Joe Murphy story. It really calls into account 
the actions of the uh, NHL in terms of how they deal with brain injuries, topic that's been near and dear to our show for years. And uh, You know, one of the things I, that really surprised me doing my reporting for this, I went back and I looked through all the different records of uh, the meetings of NHL general managers. And one of the things that surprised me was the attitude, and Lou, I'd love it if you could enlighten me on this, the attitude of former players who become general managers and officials, guys like Colin Campbell, former tough guy in the NHL, and he now helps to run the league. In, in, in meeting minutes of GMs, it shows that at, when they were talking about concussions and brain injuries, a couple on a couple occasions, one former player who was a general manager suggested that stretchers were being brought onto the ice to take off injured players far too quickly. It looked too dramatic and made the league look bad. And another general manager wondered when guys in the middle of the season were getting up off the ice after slamming their face against the boards or on the ice, whatever, and were holding their heads, maybe they were faking. Maybe they just wanted a two-week or three-week vacation in the middle of the season. Help me understand how you can go from being part of this brotherhood, part of these 700 players in a league where, you know, you live and die together to turning and becoming a, a part of management and wondering whether players are faking injuries like that. How does that make sense? Lou, I, I'm going to give you a minute you know. for that. Go ahead, Lou. Lou, sorry, uh, we've, I've, I've got to cut it a bit short, but uh, okay. I'd love to give you a minute to respond to that. Uh, you, you know what, Rick? It, it, it is mind-baffling. Uh, and, you know, we, we all talk and we get together up in the alumni box and stuff like that. But it, it, it's really, I guess they're employed by the team. And if, if they go against their word, uh, against the, they're more or less, they're, they're putting their job uh, on the line. Uh, Rick, we, uh, we're, we've sort of run out of time, unfortunately. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. To our listeners, they can find it in all the usual channels, chapters, Indigo, Amazon. The book is Finding Murphy. Uh, I highly recommend to our listeners, there's a great TSN video, a TSN original video that you're responsible. Um, and there was some, a really incredible poignant moment in that video. And it just, it just, it just almost brought tears to my eyes is when, you know, you think of Joe Murphy, he's this homeless guy, obviously has mental health issues, can, brain injury issues, but you know what? This this was the guy who grew up in Newmarket and married a beautiful wife, Julie, married a beautiful daughter, Crystal, and when Crystal still talks about her father and when his former wife talks about him, they still talk in, 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 in glowing terms. And your reaction to when you got the opportunity to talk to his former wife and his daughter well, I think it's fair to say and understandable that his family is very concerned about Joe and they want better for him. We should all be concerned and we should all want better for Joe and for all these players. Glenn Healy told me that the divorce rate of NHL players approaches 80% and that there are so many players who struggle with that transition from being an NHL player to what happens after. You know, this, this, this is something that the league can absolutely do better on and the book is an attempt to document that it's not a typical hockey book, you know, a former player or manager who talks about trades that almost happened but didn't, scores he wants to settle, you know, the, the, the path of his career. To me, this is, you know, more, much more about just trying to document facts uh, through the decades. And I think that people, it's a bit of an eye-opener. And you may look at the NHL in a little bit of a different way after you have a read.
Rick, we really want to thank you for this. We want to thank you for the book. We want to thank you for keeping this uh, keeping this in the forefront. Uh, you know, your your background as a journalist uh, gives it so much more credibility. Um, thanks so much for joining us and sharing uh, sharing your thoughts and your passion. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much, Naz. You got ten seconds. Bills, Patriots today. What's going to happen? Bills bury the Patriots, and they're going to be. Six and two. Perfect. Lou, thanks so much to all our listeners. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.